You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. As always, you can ask any of us questions. Anybody that has like a white little volunteer name tag, um, you can always ask any questions about anything going on. But without further ado, we are getting into the Word of God this morning. We are back in the book of Mark. So Mark chapter 4, verses 21 through 25 is our text this morning. Uh, If you don't have a Bible, maybe you can share with someone next to you. Or as always, when you walk in either door, there's Bibles to take and use. And um, if you don't have a Bible, take it home with you and uh, read it. But Mark 4, 21 through 25 is our text this morning. And it's continuing on in the parables of Jesus. And so uh, I'm going to read it and then we'll pray. Verse 21 of Mark chapter 4 says this. Then Jesus asked them, Would anyone light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? Of course not. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine. For everything that is hidden will eventually be brought into the open, and every secret will be brought to light. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. Verse 24. Then Jesus added, pay close attention to what you hear. The closer you listen, the more understanding you will be given and you will receive even more. But to those who listen to my teaching, more understand, excuse me, but for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they have will be taken away from them. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this text this morning. We believe and we receive it as your word, as God breathed and God inspired. That's why we read it and study it and acknowledge it and recite it, because it's your word. And we believe that it's for training and rebuking and correcting and and, in righteousness. And God, we want to receive from it. We ask that our hearts would be open to receive. We would be like those in this parable that do have ears to listen. That you would give us a desire for your word. That, that our ears and our hearts would be open to what you have. And that you'd continue to give us a desire for more of it. And Lord, as, as your words so lovingly does, it, it gives us these sober reminders of how we ought to live. As we hear these things this morning, we ask that your loving kindness would, would lead us into right living that we would continue to be a people that deny our selfish ambition and we would say yes and amen to what you have for us. We corporately declare that your ways are better than our ways, that your thoughts are higher than our thoughts and you are our God and we are your people. And we want to corporately just say we want to come under the lordship of Christ this morning as we study your word. And so do that, Lord, would you... Speak to us. We want to hear your voice. We want to experience by the power of your spirit these truths. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've been with us, you realize that we're continuing on in this section of Mark where Jesus speaks in parables. And last week, we we talked in depth about what a parable was and the importance and 
what, why Jesus did this, but to be, to be reminded real quick is we talked last week about parables, and this isn't the only time that Jesus does, does this, right, right in this little section of Mark. One-third of Jesus' teaching, the way in which Jesus taught, one-third of it was done in parables. And, and parable, in its simplest form, is a story. It's a story that Jesus is telling. And when he uses a parable like he does today, the story that he's communicating, he's telling a story that's very common and ordinary and relatable, but he's doing that in order to communicate a deeper spiritual reality or lesson. Right, even today, it's like a very, such a very simple story about a lamp in the house and how a lamp's supposed to shine light. But there is a greater, deeper spiritual reality that he's trying to communicate by using these common, ordinary stories. And in addition, last week we, st- we discussed, uh, we, t- we talked about an illustration of what a parable was, and there's three little analogies that we used. One is that a parable was like a window. And what we talked about was a window, meaning it's not, a parable is not meant to tell the entirety of who God is and everything about God in one story. And sometimes we can misinterpret parables by reading into every single detail and every single character and everything they did. And we're get, we, they mean, everything means everything. But that's not the purpose. A, a purpose of a parable is like a window to a house and that you can't see everything in the house, but there's only certain things you can see through that window. And so when Jesus speaks in parables, he's communicating a truth, but maybe not all the truths of scripture. And it's important to note that. We also talked about how a parable was like a mirror in that we are supposed to see ourselves in it. That when we see the character in the story or the concept in the story, we're supposed to see ourselves in it. It's supposed to reflect our lifestyle and who we are and how we do or don't do things. A parable is for us to assess ourselves against what is being said. And lastly, a parable is like a door. Not only do we, like a window that we see truth, not only like a mirror that we see ourselves in it, but it's a door in that a parable always has an invitation. There's always a, a um, call to response. There's always a call to action that would come from a parable. There's a call to act or call to change. Or better yet, a parable in, in a lot of ways can be an invitation from God to experience him or join in his kingdom going forth. And so a parable is much more than just a fun story with a simple something. It's a deep spiritual reality communicated in a very ordinary way, but meant to assess ourselves. Like we're supposed to see and ask ourselves where we are in that story, and then we're to act upon that. So our parable today is no different. This is a story. This is a story that Jesus is telling. And again, he's using a common object in a common scenario to communicate a pretty weighty spiritual truth. And he starts by asking a kind of like no-brainer rhetorical question. Right? He's in front of the crowds. He's with his disciples. He's continuing on. He He talked about the sower and the soils and all the different types of soils last week. And then he begins to ask this rhetorical question. He said, would any of you light a lamp and then put it under a basket or under a bed? 
It's like, obviously not. Like, that's the whole point of a lamp is so that all can see the light. Why on earth would you do it? And so Jesus' obvious answer says, of course not. He asks a rhetorical question and he says, of course you would not do that. And then he responds with this positive answer. He says, of course you wouldn't. A lamp is placed on a stand where its light will shine for everything that is hidden will eventually be brought out into the open and every secret will be brought to light. He, he emphasizes the importance of what he's saying here by making sure they're listening. Right? He says, anyone who has ears should understand and listen. Right? Because if you remember, at this time, he's, he's preaching from a boat on the Sea of Galilee. The crowds are gathered. He's beginning to talk in stories. And obviously, you can understand, just like in our culture, not everybody's listening. Not everybody's understanding. There's commotion. And so just to prove his point a little longer, in other words, he says, hey, are you listening? Are you understanding what I'm saying? What I'm saying is pretty important, and you should pay attention to it. Whoever believes, whoever has faith, whoever's interested or trusts Jesus, he says, you better listen up because what I'm saying is important, and it's far much more than me just being a light salesman and telling you how to put your light in your house. It's way bigger than that. What is Jesus saying? Because it is, it's, it's more than like how to put a light for dummies in your house. It's not what he's saying. Well, what is he saying? Well, in context of these parables, in context of the Gospels, and because of the wordage that Jesus is using here, this idea of light, he himself is often referred to as the light of the world. And so when we're reading this parable, it could be understood that Jesus was speaking of himself as the light. Or because of last week, the light being the word of God, being the truth of the gospel is that light of what he's talking about. The truth that Jesus himself can be likened to last week's seed. You know, last week we talked about the seed being the word of God, being spoken, and the soil being our hearts. And there's different types of soil. Uh, there's different types of people in this world that either believe or don't believe the word of God. And so once again, Jesus is referring to himself. He's referring to the word of God that has the power to save, that's testifying of the truth of who Jesus is. And he's saying, with that truth, the truth of who I am, what are you doing with it? And again, he's adding off of last week. So he's saying, for those of you that believe in me, for those of you that are trusting in me and having faith, that maybe have a good soil, you've received the word, but what are you doing with it now? That's what he's saying here. He's drilling deeper into those that have believed, and he's asking, what are you doing with this light? What are you doing with this truth? What are you doing with the word of God? Right, because once the truth of God is revealed to us, right, and we believe in it. If you were sitting here last week, and you would have put yourself in the good soil category, right, all of us that would say, I have a relationship with Jesus, or I'm a Christian, or I trust in him, he's my Lord and Savior, that, that category. Or in the crowds, it would be those that weren't just merely coming for a show, 
but it was like the disciples. It was those that were following Jesus. He's speaking to, 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 to us right now. Right? Once we've heard the truth and the truth has set us free and it's redeemed us and washed us and healed us, what are we doing with it? That's the point of the parable this morning. Once we believed, once we have this most incredible truth, what are we doing? He says, just like a light in your house. If you have that light, you wouldn't hide it. You wouldn't cover it. You would allow it, that light to spread in all the house or in all the room so everyone can see it. That is the purpose. A light from a lamp is supposed to be high up, unobstructed, put on full display in order for that light to spread. So do you get where Jesus is going with this? In the same way, right? It's always a, a deeper meaning. In the same way, what are you doing with me? What are you doing with the truth of the word of God? What are you doing with the gospel in your life? Because once again, this idea of Jesus being the light, he, 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 over and over and over, the word of God would testify that Jesus is the light of the world, that his light has pierced the darkness, that he is the light that shined upon humanity to set the captives free. He said that about himself in the gospel of John, verse 8. Or excuse me, chapter 8, verse 12. Jesus himself said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to life. 800 years before Jesus said that, the prophet Isaiah said the same thing about Jesus. In Isaiah chapter 9, verses 1 through 2, he said, In the land of Zebulon and Naphtali, beside the sea, beyond the Jordan River, in Galilee, there were so many Gentiles, where so many Gentiles lived. The people who sat in darkness have seen a great light. And for those who lived in the land where death casts its shadow, a light has shined. The entire chapter of Isaiah 9 is, is prophesying that Jesus one day that Jesus of Nazareth would come and that he would be the light of the world that would redeem the world and set it free and he would be the light that comes into the darkness. Jesus is that light. And so once we know this, once we know this, because I think a lot of us are in here like, yes, he is. Yes, I testify, I agree. I would say amen to what you're saying, but what do we do with it? Do we keep it to ourselves? Do we hide it as some secret? Or even do we go further? Are we ashamed of it? Are we cautious with the truth? And this is where like the sobering reality of this parable kind of, this is where the mirror comes. Like you're like, oh, the window, cool, cool, cool. And then it's like the light shines on the mirror back on you. And so what are you doing with it? And this would be in some sense, easily relatable to you and I because I think a lot of us in this room right now have a testimony. We have a testimony of what Jesus has done for us. We can stand here and we can testify that he's redeemed us, right? We were old creations and the new has come and we're redeemed and he's, he's, he's making us more like him and there's all these things that we could look back in our own lives and how Jesus has met us. But do people know that? Do your coworkers, do your family, that's the point. Like, what are you doing with that? What are you doing with the truth? Are you just holding it on to yourself? Are you nervous that people are going to know because of what it might do? 
Are you ashamed of it? Are we cautious to share it? This is the point. And I think even further to what Jesus is getting at here is that with such amazing, world-changing, life-saving, eternal news, we have a responsibility with that. Like, we've been given much with the good news of Jesus Christ. And there's like a responsibility that comes with such amazing truth that's been given to us. And the analogy that's like used over and over but rings true is, if you've been in church for more than a week, you've probably heard this, but right, if, you've, if you were given today the cure for cancer, you had it. It was 100% work, any cancer, you could cure it right now and it would never come back. You would, what would you do with that? You would tell everyone you know, you'd go, you'd, you'd, you'd Every, every way in which you could get that information out, you would. And you wouldn't care if anybody believed you because if you knew that it really did what it did, you would keep going. You would keep telling. You would keep, keep posting. You would keep knocking on doors. You would do whatever you did. If you had the cure to cancer, right? You, we would never hide it. We would never keep it to ourselves. You'd scream it from the rooftops. That's, that's true. That's absolutely true to any one of us in here. So where it drills down is like how much more ought we do something with something that can actually save you from death itself, right? We have the cure of, of, of eternal death. We have the cure, we have the, the promise and the hope of eternal life. Better, we have a better cure. We have a lasting and eternal cure to sin. And the effects of sin and the penalty of sin, it's the person of Jesus Christ. And I know we've heard this, but, but it doesn't get, it's, it's real. That, that's actually what it's getting at here. You know, yesterday, it was super scary. Right? What is it? 8, 10 a.m., we all get the message. Me and my wife are driving with the kids. Right away from our house, we, you know, flip a Yui, go back to the house. Where are we going to hide? There's no shelter. We don't have, we don't have a shelter. But it was really scary. For some of us, it really affected us. And it was like, I mean, I don't know if you get like a scarier text, honestly, at 8 in the morning on a Saturday morning. I don't know what else is worse. But, but why like myself and maybe others, and maybe a lot of you deep, deep down, like we were okay with whatever happened. And it's because like I know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Like, my hope is not in this world. This world is not the goal. It's not the prize. Jesus is. We're here just for a passing season. It's, it's, our life is like a mist or a vapor. It's here and then God. The Bible already tells us this. You know, death no longer has the final sting or the final word. That's why on a day like yesterday, of course, it doesn't change the fact that scared, cautious, worried, especially, you know, parent and kids thinking all that. But stuff, it may be still really scary, but not to the core of who I am. Not to the core. Once you actually think about what's happening in the reality of all things and you think and you look to Jesus and the hope that we have in him, then at the core, your fear begins to dissipate. And it's because, like, I've seen that light. I've trusted in Jesus, and I know my Jesus lives. He died and rose again, and he defeated sin, death, and the devil, and I share in that now, 
And so I no longer need to fear death. And we as Christians have that same hope. And it's the light of the world that pierced the darkness which we see in this text today. And I'll be honest, when you, when, when, what happened yesterday here, wouldn't you agree to me like the world, the, the world more than ever needs to know the truth of who Jesus is? Because I'm telling you right now, I'm not okay tomorrow, yesterday morning, if I don't know Jesus. I'm not okay. I'm not okay. Because what hope do I have? Honestly, like what? What do I have to hold on to? I, I don't have any hope. I, I am lost. I am scared. I am never to the core. Church, the world needs to meet and experience our dear, wonderful Jesus, the Savior, in the light of the world more than he ever has. And yesterday was like a reminder of that. Just as a reminder. I know it was, I know it was false. I, I get that. I get that. But the time is here. The time has come. And like we as believers, by the power of the Spirit, we can't be passive or wait or cover up or hide Jesus anymore. And again, I'm not just talking to you guys. I, 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 it happens to all of us that there's certain scenarios where we could speak up or we could share about Jesus or we could have said that at work or we could be more outspoken or we could have... It happens to all of us, and I get that. So I'm in the same boat, and I'm speaking to myself right now. But, but we can't afford to not tell people about Jesus. We can't afford to be like that lamp that we just cover up, and we just kind of like, it's our own Jesus, and we're good, and it helps us, but we don't tell anybody else about it. Because we just don't know what's going to happen. We just don't know what's going to happen, right? You did not know that was going to happen yesterday morning. Nobody did. But there's, there's, there's realities, there's things that happen in this world, and we need to know the light of the world. And I don't mean to condemn or shame or coerce you by any means, but I mean to stir up a passion in you. Like the purpose of today is like to pray for courage and boldness to cause our lips and our lives to be open. Like that, that's the call today, to be stirred up to testify of what Jesus has done to those around you. To show them, to tell them of the light that has pierced the darkness. And I pray that we would be like Paul that could say, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it's the power of God unto salvation for those who believe. Like I'm not ashamed of it. I'm not ashamed of what Jesus has done for me. Right, that we would be a church that, that loves people and tells them about Jesus and tell them in love, right? And let them know that regardless of how they respond, you're going to love them the same. I think because that's our fear. We do not want to let people know. We don't want to tell people their lifestyle or the truth of the gospel because we're afraid that a relationship is going to be broken. Just preface it. Hey, I'm going to tell you something right now. I really think it's truth. It may offend you. Just know I love you still. Just know, regardless of how you respond, I just need to tell you these truths. And it really helps. Because that, that, that's the fear we have, that we're going to lose or break a relationship. That, that, that's really what it comes down to. But, we, but let, let's not let that guide us and shape us. For me, I actually don't know where I'd be if my best friend 
right after elementary school, right between elementary school and middle school, hanging out. It's like an open space on the uh, kind of by the ocean in California. We were just playing. I don't even know what we were doing. And uh, he just told me about Jesus. No prompting. He just we're just walking around along. And man, I, I guarantee it was not out of persuasive words. Like there was no like he was a, he was like a eleven year old, twelve year old kid. And I think all that I remember is he said Jesus is coming back. And I was like. I didn't grow up in the church. I didn't know anything about Jesus. I had never heard the gospel. I had never heard anything you're saying. And I'm like, when did he leave? Like, what are you saying coming back? I don't know. When was he here the first time? And it just spurred conversation. And I'm sure he didn't say it right. There was no persuasive words. He didn't have it all planned out. It wasn't eloquent. But he did it. Like, he just told me about it. He planted a seed. And you know what God did? He, he made the growth. He did the rest. And I'm standing here because someone just told me. Because I think so many times i got to be the right time, i got to wait, i got to make sure this, that, and the other. And man, if he didn't, you know, I'm, maybe it would have happened again. But for a lot of people, like, we think everyone knows about Jesus. I'm telling you right now, that is not true. Like, if you, if you just went up down the street and you said, hey, tell me about Jesus, I'd probably like half these houses on the street would be like, I don't, I don't really know. Good guy? Long ago? Jewish? I don't know. Bible? I don't know what you're saying. I think we think like everyone knows, and so they're going to, not a lot of people, not, not as many as you think, by any means. But again, looking back at this parable, Jesus here, he's largely speaking in parables because at this point, many people are not believing him. Many people are skeptical. Many people are accusing him of being, uh, committing blasphemy. They, they're actually at this point in the story, they're plotting his death. Not everybody, not a lot of people, actually not many people were believing he was who he said he was. And so because many were skeptical and not believing and plotting his death, he began to speak in these parables. And he actually did it so that not everyone could understand. Because people weren't. People weren't receiving. People were not at all having faith. And what he says here at the end of the parable this morning, verses 24 and 25, he says, if, if you want to know me, if you have an inkling of faith or interest or belief, you, you'll understand. Or you'll ask me more. You'll inquire more. You'll ask your dig in. The disciples did this. This was an example of that. But if you didn't believe Jesus, you would just walk away. You wouldn't care. You'd call it blasphemy and better yet, you would deny it. And so what Jesus says in verses 24 and 25 is, is actually kind of cut and dry. He says, the closer you listen, the more you'll understand what you'll be given, the more you'll receive. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what little understanding they will have will be taken away from them. A quick understanding of that is this. The measure by which you receive, the more you'll receive. The measure by which you reject, the less you'll receive. Or in other words, if you want Jesus, you're going to get Jesus. If you don't, you won't. Like, it's, it's that simple, it's that powerful, it's that profound. But I would say, better yet, Jesus is explaining this simple story, and it should be very sobering to us. Like, it should be very sobering to be like, oh, I don't know what I do with the word of God. I don't know how I receive it. I, I just come to church. 
Isn't that what I'm supposed to do? But Jesus is saying, what are you doing with me? What are you doing with what I've spoken? What are you doing with this truth? Because, right, the truth is here. It's ours. It's for the world. And I would say that we do have a responsibility with it. And again, I think here Jesus is speaking to those that, that want to know, that want to understand. We would say these are to Christians, these are to believers. As believers, we have a responsibility with what we do with the word of God. And I think so many times we can think responsibility has a negative connotation. Right, when you grow up, when you're a kid, and then when you become an adult, the word is like, oh man, I just have so much responsibility now. And that's, that's true. And responsibility can be a negative thing, but it's all about how you view it. Because at the heart of responsibility, there really can be privilege and honor and thankfulness and joy. This is what I mean by that. Because I think sometimes I can say, oh, we have a responsibility with the word of God. And you're like, that's a negative thing. That's a bad thing. That's a hard thing. But see, I have a responsibility to provide for my wife and raise my kids. And I can view that two ways. Everyone can. Right, I can view it, uh, I, could, I could view it as like a yoke or a burden, right? Like I have more responsibility, I'm married now, like I have kids. Like you can think of it as a bad thing. It's impeding or it's stopping me from doing certain things. Or I can see it as a privilege, right, that I've been entrusted with. And my responsibility to love and care for them is an unbelievable gift that not everyone is promised. And it's amazing. And it's wonderful, and I can do it with love and joy. The same would be true for um, like a soldier, right? The responsibility or a duty a soldier has can be viewed as like doing everything begrudgingly, or it could be a pain, or I just don't want this. Or, as you know, it can be viewed as an honor, something of extreme pride. And it can produce incredible determination and drive and passion coming from a place of responsibility when we view it correctly. And the same is true with the gospel. Like we have a responsibility to do something with it. And it, it just kind of maybe takes a different mindset or an attitude. And we need to pray that maybe we see it differently. Right? Not as a negative thing but as an incredible treasure that we have, the treasure that we have in Christ that far outweighs anything that this world has to offer. And so my prayer for us is that the beauty and the majesty and the glory of God would make us a people that are zealous like to tell and share and teach and preach Jesus to the lost, to this lost, dark, and dying world. Right, that, we would, that it would well up in it. I, I pray that we would have like a burning desire within us to share the gospel with others. And not out of like a, uh, just like, oh, I gotta try harder way, but like with a deep transformative way from your inner being that you just couldn't stop talking about it. And if you remember, I think all of us in some way or another experienced this when you first came to know Jesus. Right, when there was that like initial season, you were so passionate and excited and you were so, you know, just pumped on the Lord. You were telling everybody about it. Let's get back to that place, the joy of our salvation, that it would well up in us. And I want to speak these words over us just as Peter did to the early church. First Peter 2, 9, he said this to them. He says, you're a chosen people 
a royal priesthood and a holy nation. You are God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. And I want to pray that for us this morning. And as we enter into a time of worship, I want us to just stand before the Lord and ask him that we would be a people that do not hide or tuck away this incredible, life-changing, eternal truth that we have, but that we would unashamedly tell others about it. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. And we thank you that once again it reminds us of what we've been saved out of and from that it points us to you once again, Jesus. You are the central focal point of our lives and we base our lives upon you. And we pray, Lord, that we would not be a people that shy away or hide away these truths, but we would with joy and zeal share them. That it would seep out of all that we do, that we would be able to just testify and proclaim the wonders of who you are, the glorious gospel that we have in Jesus. And Father God, would you help us to do that? We have such unique lives with unique jobs, with unique friends and unique um, problems and difficulties. And, but we pray, Lord, that we thank you that you supersede all those things, that you are intimately acquainted with all our ways, and you're able, by the power of your spirit, to give us boldness and courage and the words to speak at the proper time. So would you do that, Lord, for your namesake and for your glory. We want to see those that do not know you come to know you. We want them to be set free from the bondage and the power of sin and experience the freedom and love and peace that comes from knowing you. Would you use us for your glory? Pray this in Jesus' name.